We want to turn to the Lord's Word here now for a few minutes. We're going to do so in a bit of a different way. Again, it's different from what's written in your bulletin, maybe a little bit. We're not going to spend our time in 1 Samuel's 29 and 30 this morning. Um, excuse me, I am going to, however, post all that information, that content on our website uh, via a podcast tomorrow. So if you want to keep up with 1 Samuel 29 and 30, I encourage you to do so. Uh, that's the, the sermon series that we've been in. We're going to be bringing that to a conclusion here um, actually very, very soon. We're almost to the end of that book. Um, but these strange times, I think, call for some strange or different ways of looking at the things that we're going through. And so this happened to us last week. We spent some time thinking about how Christians should respond to the coronavirus pandemic that has been going through our whole world by this time. And we're going to do that again today, because again, this is something that I've never experienced. I've never had this happen in my almost 40 years of life on earth. I've never gone through something like this. And it's a challenging time to know, you know, how should I act as a parent? How do I lead my children through this? Something I've never been through. Um, how do I act as a pastor when there's nobody in the church and we all have to meet in our own homes? That's not, not something I've ever been through. And guess what? They don't teach you how to do that in seminary. And so there are definitely some things that we need to think about and sort through in light of what's going on here in our world at this present time. And so I thought it would be beneficial to spend at least a little more time thinking about that together uh, and I'd like to do that this morning. How do, how do we navigate these times as a Christian? How do we go through something we've never been through before and do it biblically and wisely and in a way that preserves our integrity and in a way that is obedient to God and in a way that does lead our families and show them what to do? These are challenging times. And to be totally honest with you, I certainly don't have all the answers. But again, as we just prayed and as we've sung this morning, we know someone who does. The Lord has the answers. And so we turn to him and we turn to other Christians who have navigated sometimes like these and have come through on the other side honoring God. And so that's what I'd like to do this morning for a few minutes here. Back in 2006, John Piper, one of my theological heroes and ministry mentors, had surgery to treat his prostate cancer. And on the night before his surgery, he wrote an article entitled, Don't Waste Your Cancer, that for me was life-changing when I read it. And I was not at that time, and I am not now that I know of, a cancer patient. However, Piper's perspective on the divine role that cancer played in his life was utterly paradigm-shifting for me, as he laid out 10 ways to not waste your cancer or waste the divine role that God has ordained cancer to play in the lives of those whom it afflicts. And I, if you're like me, I mean, just even that phrase, don't waste your cancer, sounds weird. How, how could cancer be something that would be wasted as though it has any value to it that could be wasted? And as I've reflected on this whole coronavirus situation and its impact on our society, and specifically on our church, those reflections brought back Piper's article, Don't Waste Your Cancer. 
And it occurred to me that if you removed the word cancer from the article and replaced it with pandemic, all of the truths that Piper lays out are still very much applicable. So what I'm going to do today is take you through those 10 ways that John Piper says not to waste your cancer, and instead, I'm going to look at it through the eyes or through the lens of a pandemic. And I'm going to encourage you to not look at the coronavirus as some plague that God has smitten us with, but rather as a divine opportunity for us to lean even harder into him, an opportunity for us to focus our energies towards preaching the gospel, towards sharing our faith even with our neighbors, an opportunity for God to be glorified. Don't waste this pandemic. And actually, I would encourage you to download the expanded version of what we're going to cover today from Piper's article. It's free. There's a little booklet after he wrote this article. He wrote a little booklet with that same title, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Google that, and you can download that booklet for free. But Piper begins his article by writing this. He says, I believe in God's power to heal by miracle and by medicine. I believe it is right and good to pray for both kinds of healing. Cancer is not wasted when it is healed by God. He gets the glory, and that is why cancer exists. So not to pray for healing may waste your cancer. But healing is not God's plan for everyone. And there are many other ways to waste your cancer. I am praying for myself and for you that we will not waste this pain. And then he goes on to list out 10 reasons not to waste your cancer. But I think what he says in that opening paragraph is very relevant to us as well. We're going through this pain right now, this pandemic of the coronavirus. What's the purpose of this virus? What's the purpose of all of this that we're doing in reaction to it? Can I offer you 10 ways to not waste this time, not waste this pandemic? Piper's first reason is this, or first uh, way to not waste your pandemic is this. He says, you will waste your pandemic if you do not believe God designed it for you. Piper writes that it will not do to say that God only uses a pandemic, but does not design it. What God permits, he permits for a reason, and that reason is his design. Listen, God foresaw the coronavirus. He knew that it was going to spread across the globe. And guess what? He had the choice to stop it, and he chose not to. And since he did not stop it, that means that God has a purpose for it. It's important to note that the coronavirus is not the ultimate work of Satan, but the work of God. Indeed, Satan is real and causes many pains, but he is not ultimate So if you throw your mind back to the story of Job, when Satan strikes Job with boils, Job ultimately attributes those boils to God. In Job chapter 2, verse 10, Job says, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In those boils that afflict Job's flesh, Job sees the design of God. God designed those boils for Job in order to carry out God's purposes for Job. Listen, the coronavirus is not an accident. It is not an evil run amok. 
It was foreseen and allowed by Almighty God, and it will go as far as he ordains and no further. And if God has allowed this to happen, it must have a purpose, a purpose that he is working out. Now, we may not see that purpose yet, but we can at least rest in the knowledge that this evil thing is not operating outside of the sovereign control of God. If you believe that this pandemic is just a coincidence or a misfortune, you will waste it. You will not see the purpose in it. So don't waste this time by thinking that it has no purpose. It absolutely does. God is working in the midst of this, and someday we'll know all about it, even if not today. Number two, you will waste your pandemic if you believe it is a curse and not a gift. God has not cursed his people. Instead, he has given them unsearchable riches in Christ. Listen to these words. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The coronavirus is not a condemnation for those in Christ. Galatians 3, 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Psalm 84, 11, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God has promised us that those who belong to him are free from the curse. So we should not interpret calamities and pandemics as a curse, but instead as a gift. And not as a gift in the usual way that you think about gifts, but as, again, a divine opportunity. Don't waste this time by thinking that God is smiting his people. Instead, use this time by asking what divine opportunities present themselves because of this. Is it maybe a new opportunity to repent of a personal or even a national sin? Is it an opportunity to soften the hearts of those who do not believe so that they might have a new openness towards the gospel? Is it an opportunity for your family or for our church to find a new and fresh love for one another? Maybe that is what God is doing through this virus, by having the churches closed down and the services canceled so that God's people are scattered throughout the nation in their homes, so that someday when they reunite, they will realize the value of Christian community and have a new and fresh love for one another. What a blessing that would be, right? This is not a curse. The curse of sin has been broken. Don't be fooled into thinking that it hasn't and that this pandemic is a curse and not a gift of opportunity. God can use this time to give you a very good gift if you will seek him during it. Number three, you will waste your pandemic if you seek comfort from the odds rather than from God. Like many of you, I'm sure, I've been doing a lot of reading these last couple of weeks and article after article about this disease and how it affects people differently. And I've been trying to place myself in one of the statistical categories that will give me some idea about the likelihood of me or my family contracting the illness and what it might do to me if I get it. So we've been reading all over the place, all over the internet. And we're trying to ask ourselves and answer the questions, who gets this disease? What's the age demographic of the people that it really hurts? What's the mortality rate? 
What's the breakdown between men and women and old and young and so on? And the temptation is to add up all of those statistics in our minds and then find the place where we fit. And if we're on that lower, safer end of the spectrum, we gain confidence and we think, I'll be fine. And even if I do get it, I'm not statistically likely to die from it. And if we find ourselves that we are more at risk, we become even more afraid and we go into a place of hopelessness and fear. Friends, if you spend your time on either one of those ends of the spectrum, you will waste the divine opportunity of this pandemic. The design of God in your pandemic is not to train you in the rationalistic human calculation of odds. The world gets comfort from odds, not Christians. We don't live in a world of odds. We live in a world of divine, sovereign providence. Some people count their chariots and their horses in order to cast a likelihood of their success in the battle. But we trust not in horses. We trust not in chariots. We trust in the name of the Lord our God, so says the psalmist. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says, We felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was not to make us, or the, but excuse me, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. In 2 Corinthians, Paul thought that he was going to die. <laughs> but he says that that happened so that he would trust more in the God who raises the dead. Think about that. God gave Paul an affliction in which Paul thought he was going to die. And Paul says, the reason God did that is so that I would trust in the God who could raise me from the dead. So even if I die, I serve a God who raises the dead. So the, the lesson for us is to trust in him, not in the statistics, not in the odds. God can use this pandemic to kick out those worldly crutches that we've been leaning on. So that when those crutches are kicked out from under us, will be forced to fall upon him. Don't waste your pandemic by trusting in odds. Trust in the Lord. Number four, you will waste your pandemic if you refuse to think about death. Look, we're all going to die. If Jesus postpones his return, we are all going to die. So not to think about what it will be like to leave this life and meet God is unwise. It's foolish. And it could be that God has sent this virus for the purpose of getting us to, to number our days. This is what it says in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. Numbering your days means thinking about how few there are and that they will come to an end. And this pandemic is a divine opportunity for us to think about death and to strengthen our hearts subsequently in the truth of the resurrection. Number five, you will waste your pandemic if you think that beating it means staying alive rather than cherishing Christ. As we've said, God has a purpose for this pandemic, but he's not the only one because you better believe that Satan has a purpose for it too. But of course, Satan's purpose and God's purpose are not the same. 
Satan's purpose for the coronavirus is for it to destroy your love for Christ. That's what Satan wants to happen to you through all of this business surrounding this pandemic. Satan would love it if the coronavirus destroyed your hope in Christ. But God's purpose for the coronavirus is to deepen your love for Christ. If you were to get the coronavirus and die from it, the virus hasn't won. Instead, the virus wins if you fail to cherish Christ. God's design for the coronavirus is to get you to forsake the hope of the world and for you to trust your life and your very soul to the power of Christ. God's desire for you in this virus is to get you to the place where you can say with Paul in Philippians, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Don't waste the coronavirus by only focusing on trying to stay healthy and stay alive. Use it to know and trust Christ all the more. Number six, you will waste your pandemic if you spend too much time reading about the coronavirus and not enough time reading about God. Now, it's not wrong or sinful to know about the coronavirus. Ignorance is not a virtue. And you should do your best to stay well informed of recommendations from experts and officials and to follow the best practices during this time. This is what we're doing here at the church. This is why you're at home today and not here at the church because we have done some reading about it. We know some things about it. And so we're able to follow the best practices concerning it. But the lure to know more and more about the coronavirus and to not have that same desire to know God more and more exposes something in our hearts. Do you know what it exposes? It exposes unbelief. The coronavirus is meant to waken us to the reality of how much we need God. If that's the case, it would be an utter waste to go through something like this and come out on the other side knowing all there is to know about the coronavirus and pretty much the same things we knew about God as when we went in. What a waste that would be. So use this pandemic as a divine opportunity to read about God, to come to know God more. Number seven, you will waste your pandemic if you let it drive you into solitude instead of deepening your relationships. Now this reason that Piper writes here is interesting because He's referring, of course, to the solitude uh, that is experienced as a result of being diagnosed with a deadly disease as cancer. Of course, it's certainly understandable to think that when somebody gets devastating news like a cancer diagnosis, they might retreat into themselves a little more. But what's interesting about our present situation is that we're forced into solitude. We're forced into this quarantine mindset. However, we do not let this time of pandemic and enforced solitude hinder us from our love for people. Even if you can't be in close proximity to others outside of your family at this time, do not let the forced solitude of this pandemic diminish your love for people. Again, this is why we meet as a church. 
multiple times a week and why this time of being apart from one another is so significant. Because through relationships, we are built up to love and we are stirred up to good works. This is what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10 is that when you get together with other believers, you are stirred up to love and to good works. But now we're forced to be apart. How could we focus on people during this time? That's a question we should all be asking ourselves so that we know we do not waste this pandemic in solitude. How can you deepen your relationship with your family while being cooped up with them at home? How can you love those in need during this time? Those in the church who are in need, those down the street. What about your actual neighbors, those who live right next door to you? How can you invest in those relationships during this time? Don't let this pandemic drive you into solitude. Instead, find new and creative ways of connecting with people and staying connected with people and deepening those relationships. Number eight, you will waste your pandemic if you grieve as those who have no hope. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. There is a grief in times of illness, and especially at times of death. Even for the believer that gets ill or the believer that, that dies, there is a feeling of loss, of course. But for the Christian, the grief is different. It is infused with hope. If you are forced to take on a posture of grief during this pandemic, don't waste your grief by grieving without hope. Instead, grieve as those who know that it is better to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Grieve as those who know the gospel and who are clinging to the gospel with every fiber of their being. Don't waste your pandemic by grieving as those who have no hope. Grieve as gospel people who know that there is a hope, there is a life after this one. There is a Lord in heaven who rules over all things. Grieve with that in mind. Number nine, you will waste your pandemic if you treat sin as casually as before. Listen, the coronavirus is a result of sin. It is a result of the fall. It is a product of living in a fallen world that has been uh, unrepairably broken by sin. The world has fallen into sin, and as a result, there are tragedies, there are diseases, there are disasters, there is suffering and death. And when we go through times like this, it should show us all the more the utter futility and devastation of sin that has caused all this suffering. Not just only in general, but personally. So ask yourself, are your besetting sins as attractive to you as they were before the coronavirus set in? The coronavirus is a result of sin, and its design is to get us to wake up and see how sin destroys everything. And let me tell you, sin is a worse enemy than the coronavirus. And so one of God's purposes in this is to get us to take sin seriously. This pandemic, this is what sin brings. This is the result of a fallen world that has shaken its fist at God ever since the Garden of Eden. 
And so this is designed for us to take notice and to get us to take sin seriously, even the sin, the personal sin in our lives. So ask yourselves that question, are those besetting sins that you struggle with as attractive to you today as they were when the coronavirus first started? Don't waste your pandemic by treating sin as casually as you did before it started. Let the prospect of eternity make the sins of this life look as futile as they really are. So don't just battle the coronavirus. Battle your sin. Number 10. You will waste your pandemic if you fail to use it as a means of witnessing to the truth and glory of Christ. Now, before Jesus died, he told his disciples a bit about what they could expect as his followers in the coming days and months and years. In Luke chapter 21, verse 12, he says, But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. It's not the coronavirus, but he is telling his disciples that they are going to go through some hard times. And what should they do during those hard times? Luke 21, 13, Jesus says, this will be your opportunity to witness. When they drag you before governors and kings and they beat you and flog you and persecute you and they throw you in prison, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. And so it is with the coronavirus, my friends. This will be an opportunity for you to bear witness that Christ is glorious and true. This could be an opportunity to show even that he is worth more than your life. Don't waste this opportunity to bear witness. I know that each person watching this stream right now knows somebody who does not know Christ and who is most likely afraid because of what's going on. That could be God softening their heart, preparing them for when you go and share the gospel with them and show them the truth of Christ. Consider that possibility and take action on that possibility. Don't waste this pandemic by not bearing witness to the truth of Christ. Use it as an opportunity, just like Jesus told his disciples when they get dragged before the kings and the the princes and governors and they get beaten and go through hard times, those are their opportunities. This is your opportunity. This is my opportunity to bear witness to the truth of Christ. Now, as we think about these 10 things, I'm not saying that these are easy or, or, uh, you know, like a snap or something simple to put into practice. But I think what these 10 things do is they reorient us to the truth that what is going on in our world is not an accident. It is absolutely being overseen by God. It is absolutely being directed by God for his purposes. And we as his people want to do what we can to join him in his purposes in this world. And what I think those are are 10 opportunities, 10 ways for you to partner with God in the world and in what he's doing in your own heart and in your own life so that we might not let this opportunity go by. And as you lead your families, keep these things in view. As you think about your neighbors and what they need spiritually, physically, keep these things in view. 
As you think about what you need during this time, keep these things in view. What is God's purpose in this whole coronavirus pandemic for our nation? What is God's purpose in this pandemic for our city? What is God's purpose in this pandemic for our church? What is God's purpose in this pandemic for you individually? Because God is doing thousands of things on all those different levels. You better believe. And I've said this before, for every one or two things that you see God doing in the world, he's doing tens of thousands of other things that you don't see. God is at work in this time. And what I'm offering to you today is to join him in the work that he is doing. And here are some ways that we can join him. And so I want to encourage you to take comfort in the truth that God is in control. Our God uses even things like viruses that seem to be out of control for his own purposes. And they are not out of control. They are under his ever-watchful care. He is orchestrating everything. As I said earlier, God has seen the day when this virus is wiped out and when we're returned back to our church and to our normal lives. The day is coming if the Lord doesn't come back before then. The day is coming. The question for us all is, Lord, how can you use me during this time? How can I use this time that you have given me to reach the world, to join you in what you're doing in the world, Lord, to join you even in what you're doing in me? Take these things that we've talked about this morning, put them into practice. Don't waste this pandemic. Instead, use it for God's glory. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for all those truths that we've covered. Lord, we rest with assurance knowing that you are the Lord, that you have seen the end of this. Lord, that it is not out of your control and that this virus can only go as far as you allow. Lord, help us to find rest and assurance in that truth. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would impress these truths on our heart that we've talked about today. And Spirit, that you would help us see how we can use this time as a divine opportunity in these different ways. And in, Lord, multiple ways that we haven't even talked about or even thought of yet. Holy Spirit, show us how we can use this divine opportunity to bring glory to you. God, would you be with us during this time? Would you guide us and lead us down the righteous path so that we might not live in fear of uncertainty, we might not live in fear of infection, but we might rest in the assurance that you are the Lord. God, help us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.